A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Today is Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. On this day in 1978, Richard Trenton Chase, the vampire of Sacramento, killed his second victim, Teresa Wallen. Later that week, he killed and mutilated four more, becoming one of the most disturbing serial killers the quiet Sacramento suburb had ever seen. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for children under 13. Today we're covering the start of a killing spree that landed Richard Chase in prison for the rest of his life. Following his 1976 release from the Beverly Manor Psychiatric Facility, Chase had been buying and slaughtering dogs and other small animals to drink their blood. But then, in January of 1978, he decided to turn his murderous instincts on people instead. Let's go back to the morning of January 23rd as 22-year-old Teresa Wallen cleaned her house only a few blocks from where Richard Chase was stalking through her neighborhood. Teresa Wallen had the day off from work. Her husband, David, had left at 6.30 that morning to go to his job at National Linen. He wasn't supposed to come home until later that evening. Until then, Teresa would busy herself with errands and housework. Three months pregnant, it was exactly the sort of stress-free Monday she was looking for. Teresa stepped out of the back door sometime after 10.30 a.m. She crossed her backyard and went out the gate, walking toward the local pantry market, only a few blocks away. It was an entirely uneventful trip. After picking up her groceries, she returned home to 2630 Tioga Way. She had no idea that less than an hour after she had left, her future killer was spotted at that very market. At around 11.45 a.m., a young woman named Nancy Holden was shopping at the pantry market. Her Monday errands took a strange turn when she heard a voice call to her from down the aisles. Nancy! She turned and was alarmed by the disheveled figure approaching her. He wore a bright orange winter coat. His hair was wild. He was unshaven, and a strange, crusty substance coated his mouth. He looked like no one she knew. But the strange man kept approaching. When he reached her, he asked a peculiar question. Weren't you on Kurt's motorcycle when he was killed? Nancy was thrown by the question. Her high school boyfriend, Kurt, had been killed in a motorcycle accident. She told the man no, she was not on the motorcycle, then asked him who he was. Rick, he said. Suddenly, she knew exactly who this strange man was. He was one of Kurt's old friends. You're Richard Chase, she realized aloud. 
He replied, and you're Nancy Westfall, using her maiden name. Nancy was mystified by the change in Richard's appearance since she had last seen him. This rank and filthy man was nothing like the clean-cut boy she'd known. She courteously ended the conversation and went back to her shopping, but Richard would not leave her alone. She ran into him again in the next aisle. Knowing she could not avoid him, Nancy tried to make some small talk. What have you been up to, Rick? Instead of answering her question, he asked, Where are you going? She gestured toward the cash register. She wanted nothing more than to get away from this strange man from her past. He kept following her through the checkout lanes, an orange soda clutched in his hands as a flimsy excuse for standing behind her. Trapped in line, she told him that she was going to the bank after this. What, do you have to write a check or something? He asked. Hoping desperately that he would get the hint, she said, No, I do it for work. As soon as she passed through the checkout, Nancy broke away from Richard and made a beeline for her car. Richard called after her. Wait, hey, wait. She ignored him and piled into her car as fast as she could. Richard caught up as she pulled out of the parking lot, making a grab for the door handle. He missed, and Nancy Holden sped away. Panting in fear, she checked the rearview mirror and saw Richard staring after her, not making any effort to pursue. Moments later, he turned and walked away toward the adjacent neighborhood. David Wallen had a long day at work. He spent eight hours training his replacement, clocked out at 5 p.m., and went to Slick Willie's bar, where he split two pitchers of beer with his co-worker. He arrived back home at around 6. The house was completely dark. He turned on the porch light so he could see what he was doing when he unlocked the door. Inside, garbage was scattered all over the floor, and the stereo was playing. He called for Teresa, but received no response. A figure slunk through the darkness, moving quietly toward David. It was their German shepherd, Brutus. The dog whined. Something was wrong. David could see the floor was spotted with large, dark, circular stains, like the ring left by the bottom of a glass or bucket. At first, David thought they were oil. He followed them, step by step, to the master bedroom. He opened the door and peered inside. Then he screamed. We'll discuss the details of Richard Chase's killing spree after this. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Now back to the story. On January 23rd, 1978, Richard Trenton Chase committed a grotesque murder in his quiet Sacramento suburb. At around noon on the 23rd, 
he entered the home of Teresa Wallen and shot her multiple times. Her neighbor, Richard Eastlick, later told the investigators that he heard three to four shots coming from the south of his home, but he did not investigate. In fact, none of the neighbors went to check on Teresa. That evening, her husband found her remains in their master bedroom. Teresa lay slayed on her back, her sweater pulled up, and her pants below her ankles. Her chest had been mutilated, and her torso was cut open below the sternum. Her organs had been rearranged, and dog feces were stuffed in her mouth. Beside her body was a paper yogurt cup, which had been used to drink her blood. The horrific nature of this murder immediately attracted attention from the police. However, its random nature meant it would be nearly impossible to solve. Whoever killed Teresa had never met her before, so it would be difficult to identify, much less apprehend. But four days later, the vampire of Sacramento struck again, killing three more people. The Maroth residence at 3207 Marywood Drive was found full of dead bodies. But most horrific of all was that the family's infant, David Ferreira, was missing. After details of all four murders spread around Sacramento, eyewitnesses, including Nancy Holden, provided police with the information they needed to track down Richard Chase. They caught him, leaving his apartment with a box containing baby clothes, planning to dispose of them. When they entered his apartment, it was a house of horror. Nearly every surface was coated in dried blood. Richard Chase had been killing and eating animals ever since he moved in, making no effort to clean. He was immediately arrested. On March 24, 1978, the remains of baby David Ferreira were found near a local church. The infant had been dead since January. When asked why he took the body from the Maroth's house, Chase said it was, "'Cause I needed something to eat.'" FBI agent Robert K. Ressler visited Chase on death row in 1979. He said of the encounter, "'It was his eyes that really got me. I will never forget them. They were like those of the shark in the movie Jaws. No pupils, just black spots. These were evil eyes that stayed with me long after the interview. During the interview, Richard claimed that the murders were an act of self-defense. He suffered from what he referred to as soap dish poisoning, saying that it was turning his blood to powder and everything he did was to replenish the blood he had lost. In a sense, it didn't matter where the blood came from. Ressler and others believed Chase should have been institutionalized, not executed. But in the end, that didn't matter. Chase overdosed on his psychiatric medication in prison, dying by suicide before he ever saw the electric chair.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. To hear more about Richard Chase, you can listen to the episodes of ParCast original Serial Killers, which dive deeper into the case. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.